0: Greetings, 7 Second Delay fans. Tonight, the second of six parts of 7 Second Delay listeners interviewing Andy Breckman and myself, Ken Friedman. This is while Andy is on location in Toronto, Canada, not quite overseeing the uh, photography of the upcoming Monk movie. More like uh, stalking the set where the Monk movie is being shot. Tonight we have three interviews, one from listener Grant, one from listener Celeste, and part one of the interview that listener Nadia did, and we'll hear part two next week. It's a jam-packed episode, so we need to get started right away. Here is Grant from California interviewing Andy and myself
1: about puppetry,
0: among other things.
1: Well, Ken and Andy, thank you for doing this. Welcome to the show. It's great to have you here.
0: Thank you, Grant.
1: Thank you, Grant. Hey, Grant, quick question, quick question,
2: hardly worth
0: mentioning. What
2: show are you referring to?
1: Well, the name of this show is called Under the Puppet, and it is a podcast I do where I talk to uh, puppetry professionals about the world of puppetry and the business of puppetry. So you two are perfect to be on this show.
0: Yes, we are.
2: We're we're flattered and uh, and uh, and how long have you been doing this uh, podcast?
1: Oh, uh, this is the seventh year I think of doing this. Wow, podcast. fantastic! Okay, so, are there
2: any other? What's your competition? Are there other puppet podcasts?
1: There actually are other puppet podcasts. Those yes. bastards—they <laughs> don't know what the hell they're talking about. Those posers. Uh, we all get along. It's a it's a big, lovable puppet world. Are, are there separate
0: podcasts for different kinds of puppets, like marionettes and shadow puppets, and you know Jim Henson style Muppets and things like that?
1: No, I mean, um, no, I don't think there is. I think everybody just tries to. Puppetry is such a small community. We just try to. Um, yeah. So you, know, Grant,
2: I, I do have a follow up question myself. <laughs> yes. Do you really all get along? Do you really all get along?
0: We do. That's yeah, right. I, I, I was wondering the same thing, like you allow the marionette puppeteers to attend the same meetings as uh, well, you, every... know who,
1: you know who usually gets the the backlash is the ventriloquist that's a lot of people don't even consider it puppetry, but I do because they're using a puppet, but
2: uh... Oh, don't get me started on whether ventriloquists <laughs> are puppets. We could do like five or six episodes right there.
1: But I've done on my show, I've interviewed uh, Mallory Lewis, the daughter of Sherry Lewis, and I've interviewed uh, Willie Tyler uh, from Willie Tyler.
2: Wait, did Mallory Lewis inherit
1: lamb chops? She did, yes. She didn't want to, but she did.
2: Yeah, she didn't want to, right. (laughs) You're not going to. Yeah, I I was
0: kind of raised on lamb chop.
2: I wonder how long Mallory resisted that. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, how could she go out on stage without lamb chops? You
1: can't. Well, and supposedly, uh, Lamb Chop is built for very small hands, and she had the same hand size as her mom's. So. Was
0: Which was, was her mom, Shari Lewis. Was that also Kukla Fran and Ollie?
1: No, that, oh. no, that, that was Fran Allison. Ah,
2: okay. Ken, uh, did, and, you, know, say, did you say that you were raised by Lamb Chop?
0: Yes. <laughs> well,
1: that, well that, that, would, was, that would explain a lot.
0: I have vivid <laughs> memories of Lamb Chop from my very young childhood.
1: Well, that was more, that's one of the questions that I ask on the show. What was your first exposure to puppetry? So was it, for Ken, for you, was it lamb yeah, chop? Yeah,
0: it probably was lamb chop. Because I remember that from a house that we moved out of when I think I was four or five years old.
2: For me, I guess it would be um, when I was in, I guess, first grade, uh, the school therapist used a puppet uh, <laughs> and uh, asked me, it was a puppet that had human anatomy, you know, perfect, and asked me to point to various parts of the puppet to explain uh an incident that occurred. So that was my first puppet.
0: Yeah, well, I, puppet. I I believe later research proved that that incident never actually occurred and uh you just made up the whole thing and and ruined several people's lives.
2: Yeah, for it was a yeah, then they looked at the calendar and it was April 1st and everybody laughed. Everybody laughed. That was a good one. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah.
1: Ah, uh, now you you have uh, seven second delay is a stunt radio show as you called it uh, as you call it, and you have actually one of the stunts was Andy you were a puppet during one episode of the show.
2: I think you were you got a uh, and a big assist on that show if I recall, uh, uh, but I did have a puppet.
0: Yeah, that we was, that was at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater,
2: right? I had a puppet made of myself, one of the great honors of my life, and I still. I still have that puppet. Uh, I do have an interesting problem. I have five kids, and the and the and the question is, who will inherit the daddy puppet uh, when I when I pass?
1: Have you have you used it at all since that show? Do you go around the house and and? Talk I, about I them use it
2: even? to I use it to discipline my children, <laughs> but I can't go into detail.
1: None of them will want the puppet.
2: <laughs> yeah, none of them will.
0: <laughs> am I am I none in the am, am I in the running? For the inheritance on the puppet at all?
2: Uh, if you'd like to be, if you'd like want to put your name in the hat. I would. A, yes, I would. Be, we're going to pick slips of paper out of a hat. Okay. I was going to leave you the hat itself.
0: No, I, I want to be in the running for the puppet because that's that's actually a very memorable show when, when you were a puppet. What happened, Grant, was uh, one of the members of uh, Jim Henson's uh, company, actually made the puppet and then controlled the puppet on stage. Oh,
2: I remembered it. I remembered it as Grant helped to design the puppet. No.
1: Well, I think I put you in touch with Tim Legass, maybe who built the puppet. Yeah. Well, in baseball, that would be labeled an assist. An assist, yeah. yeah. And what happened
0: was I was sitting on stage uh, at the theater with the puppet, and Tim was behind the couch controlling the puppet. Andy could not be seen by the audience. Andy was in the sound booth. And whatever Andy said, the puppet had to just purely spontaneously, you know, come up with the right facial uh, and body language uh, yeah. to convey it. And and after about 15 minutes, I felt like I was on stage with a, a real live puppet. It really was strange. He was, he was so accomplished at it. Everything was perfectly in sync with what Andy was saying from the sound booth.
2: Although a lot of the audience got tired of Ken saying, do the masturbation bit again. (laughs) So the, okay. So I do have that experience with a puppet. I had a puppet avatar. Is that a, is that a, maybe a a clean way to put it? An avatar that was on stage for an hour.
0: Also. Yes. Also known as a puppet.
2: (laughs) That's true. I don't, you're right. (laughs) I don't, you don't have to say, you don't have, (laughs) you don't have to explain it further. Yeah. Uh, That's true. Hey, uh, hey, Grant. Are the puppet? Is the public community? Are they fans of the movie Megan and those kind of horror puppet movies?
1: Yeah, you know, I just interviewed a couple episodes ago the puppeteer. Uh, he's a New Zealand puppeteer, Paul Lewis, and he puppeteered that um, that you know whenever it wasn't the girl in the sort of little suit walking yeah. around. Um, but he said uh, he said that that movie when they made it, they didn't want to spend any money on removing him at all or any rods from the show so anytime you see megan he's there hiding behind megan just not being seen so uh, he said it was a it was a, quite a challenge oh i can imagine
2: it would Would you say that was the best puppet what tell me the best puppet movie are you a fan of um the the movie magic written by william goldman
1: i don't that's i a, don't think I've oh
2: seen that's it. oh that's a that's a antiloquist uh horror movie
1: well the
0: best The best puppet movie is Team America. I've interviewed a
2: lot of people who've worked on Team America. By
0: the the South Park guys.
2: You're absolutely right. Also, Chucky, I guess, is well-known, the Chucky series.
0: I used to have to stand in front of the TV when I showed my kids Team America when they were little. I would stand in front of the TV during the puppet sex scenes.
2: But it was all negated because Ken himself was naked at the time. (laughs) <laughs> but I've, at least the show long enough. I knew that. What good did going that on. do,
0: Ken? <laughs> at least they didn't get to see puppets doing it. They're no, used- at least they did.
2: At least they didn't get to see a strange, unfamiliar penis.
0: Yeah. Well, a
1: puppet penis,
0: really.
2: Yeah, a puppet penis.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, not not puppetry related, but sort of. In a tangential way, Andy, you worked with Lisa Henson earlier in your career, didn't you?
2: She was she was actually uh, a, a a big part of my early career. She worked. She was at Warner Brothers as an executive, and she was a champion of an early script that I wrote, or maybe a couple of scripts. And thanks to her, I got a uh, an overall deal at Warner Brothers that it uh, showed their faith, their misplaced faith in me, and. Uh, but I also—I don't know if it was thanks to her or not—but I did spend one day with Jim Henson. Wow! I got to do that, which I know maybe some of a lot of your listeners would be envious. Of.
1: Yeah. What What was that? If you can talk about it, what what happened? I would. Uh, he uh,
2: let me see. He was planning the show, the series Muppet Baby, which I guess was that a cartoon show. Yeah. Okay, so he was planning, the, the Henson Productions was planning Muppet Babies, and what, what these guys do is they pay comedy writers to come in, and it was me and four or five other comedy writers, to pay comedy writers to sit around a big table, and, and they paid us, I don't remember what they paid us, but we signed away all our rights. We waived any rights to any ideas that we generated, and then we spent the day sitting around in a big conference room with Jim Henson at the end of the table, uh, just generating ideas, just kicking around, uh, uh, you know, brainstorming ideas. And I guess it was either Jim Henson or some assistant was, was taking notes. And uh, we were kicking around ideas for what elements of Muppet babies might work. And I don't remember my memory, as Ken can tell you and listeners of my show now it's the worst. Um, it's a sieve. It's a, uh, how would you describe my memory, Ken
0: a leaky sieve
2: yeah it 's not even a it 's not even a well constructed sieve yeah <laughs> <laughs> it 's a faulty sieve that you get and uh and i don 't i I wish I had anecdotes to tell you, although I do remember making Jim Henson laugh was a very sweet and a delightful moment for me, but i don 't remember the specifics and i don 't remember if I contributed. Anything to muppet baby but it's, but uh, I know it's enough to make you grant very jealous of
0: me I'm well sure. did in, in the final in the final Muppet Baby movie did the cookie Monster have a free candy van?
2: no it was <laughs> so, no. That,
0: so then that was cut
2: That was rejected out of out of hand yeah I pitched a whole I pitched a whole sequence where the cookie monster was shopping for a, a van that had to be soundproof right. The soundproof uh, van.
0: Like the inside of his garbage can or the grouch.
2: Yeah. He's oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: mixing up sure. so many characters. It's hilarious.
2: Yeah, that's right. Um, so that I had that day, but I don't remember any. It drives my wife insane because when somebody famous is mentioned uh, in conversation, I can say, oh, I, I spent the day with him or I spent a week with him. And then my wife will say, well, what what was they like? And I absolutely have no memory of it. So if I was writing my memoirs, it would be just like eight pages of just the worst kind of uh, introductions to people.
1: Well, let me ask this. You brought up pitching. And uh, I have heard mixed things about pitching and pitching. I know maybe you necessarily haven't pitched a puppet show. But if you were pitching a puppet show, would you bring the puppets into the pitch? Because I've heard things like don't even – think about bringing them in the in the room or then i've also heard people say yes definitely bring the puppets in
2: oh i would bring the puppets into the room i would do it. it's a full multimedia uh, but i would i would i would keep it short and you know I'm, i'm pretty good at pitching um but i i've often brought in uh props and photos and i've had my assistant put together montages to illustrate a point i would not only bring the puppets in i would spend a little time and a little money Doing a proof of concept uh, video, uh, I would actually do two or three minutes of a very crude representation of what of what you hope to be doing. Uh, you know, unless you're the South Park guys, uh, if you're going in cold, you really have to have to uh, knock them dead. Uh, I have some friends. I have a couple of good friends, Tom Gamel and Max Frost, who created a marionette puppet show called Red Pepper. They actually went to pilot. This is in nineteen. 19- 80, mid 80s, 80, 84, 85. and they were uh, they were offered uh, they were offered a, a writing job on the original Simpsons before the Simpsons uh, uh, premiered. They could have been on the original staff, but they instead they instead chose to uh, to decline that offer and commit themselves to this puppet show, this puppet pilot that they made, I think for NBC. So that's a decision they regret for, for the rest of their life. But they would be they would be great guests because um, they I'm sure they'd proudly show you their their failed pilot uh, that they're very pr- deservedly very proud of.
0: Did it ever uh, air?
2: No, no, it was a no, it was a busted what they call a busted pilot. Aww. But it was a very crude Howdy Doody style marionette living among real people. The way the way Mork. The way Mork the alien lived, you know, in a real, in the real world. Huh. Or, or not, not more. I'm sorry. Mork is good, but Alf, I guess it's a better. Example.
1: I was in, I was in the Burbank airport one day and I had a, a sweater on that said puppeteer on this, you know, it was a crew gift. And uh, this guy comes up to me and goes, are you puppeteer? And I go, yeah. And he goes, I worked on Alf the whole series. And I said, wow, that's really great. And he goes, no, it was responsible for my cocaine habit. <laughs> He goes, so whenever I see a puppeteer, I go, No, thank you. I don't want to work on a puppet thing.
2: No, so is John is is would you consider John Malkovich a classic puppet movie?
1: Yeah, yeah. We interviewed the the Marionette uh, Philip Huber is the guy who did all he got a marionette to do a somersault, which had never been done before for that film.
2: But yeah. Yeah, you have to do it almost at gunpoint. You have to threaten the marionette.
1: You mean
0: being John Malkovich? You're talking about that yes. movie?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, I have one more question here as we wrap up. Uh, you two have worked as a creative team for 30 years on this show, Seven Second Delay. What's the secret to maintaining a creative partnership for that long?
0: Huh. <laughs> that's a good question.
2: It is. It is a good question. I, I know my answer, but I'm, I'm very curious about what Ken would say.
0: <laughs> um. I think I think Andy and I share uh, certain key values that, that have uh, made it a lot of fun to keep uh, collaborating after all these years. I mean, for one thing, I think we're very, very different, uh, which I, which has been a real asset because it, um, it has meant that we don't really get bored with each other. It's hard to predict one another. Um, but uh, and Andy and I both really love coming up with ideas uh, simply that, that nobody has ever attempted before on the radio. Um, and, and our, I think our motives might be slightly different for doing that. Um, mine are kind of more, I'm just always up for a good experiment to find out what will happen. And I guess Andy is, uh, thinking similar things, but more comedically, I guess. Uh, but I think the fact that we're both really into trying things, knowing full well that there's a great chance it might fail, um, has been, has been a a big part of the collaboration for, for so many decades.
2: Well, that's a complete (laughs) crock. (laughs)
0: And how would you answer the question, Andy?
2: Well, I, if I'm going to be honest, I'm, from the very beginning, I've been sexually attracted to the man. (laughs)
0: Uh...
2: No, I, uh, you know, well, it's a great question. I think, I, I once heard that Johnny Carson and Ed McMahon, who, how long were they together? I mean, close to 30 years. Um, I heard they never socialized with each other. They only kind of hung out on the on the show itself, you know, on the, on the couch itself. And that might be part of the secret uh, that we don't, I mean, I occasionally will meet Ken for dinner and, and we'll go out together, but, uh, you know, it's, it's one hour a week, uh, together, which is the secret to most of my relationships. <laughs> Just minimize, minimize the exposure. And, uh, and, uh, I do, and I, and, and part of the, and a lot of what Ken said is absolutely true. I, I, it rings true for me. Uh, but in addition to that, I so appreciate uh, that Ken offers me and, and all the disc jockeys on FMU a safe space. I mean, Ken is a is a uh, First Amendment purist, and I get to say very stupid things without fear of being uh, called on it or canceled. And uh, it's, for me, like therapy. So, you know, it's like instead of going to a therapist every week, I get I get to go to FMU uh, so that's uh, that would be my answer
0: there, there was that period of time it was very brief there was like a six month period of time there where you actually were worried about getting cancelled because you had a new show coming you had a new show now, that was well, in production and it was sort of at the height of the Me Too era and, and you and now, I
2: and then I remembered that nobody is listening <laughs> which was a great a great relief <laughs>
1: Well, uh, I love to Ken. what you said is that is that you do these shows knowing that it might fail. And it probably you know what I mean? Like that's just a great attitude to create stuff, because then what you know, what can go wrong? Like, you well, know, the
2: stakes are so damn low. That's the other thing. You know, no, there's no consequence to our shows failing. Yeah. Now, now, what do you think now? Now, uh, before we go, uh, Grant, what do you think attract what type of person is attracted to puppeteering? Uh, what, <laughs> what 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 uh, personality characteristics? Is it? Is it? Are they failed um, comedians? Are they? Are they people that are failed? So that have failed socially and can't connect with other real human beings? What manner of like, failure you... <laughs>
0: are you, Grant?
2: Yeah. What? What do they? What do they? Yeah. We assume that they're failures. What do they have in common? With each you know other? what I?
1: You know what I think? Honestly, is and I can't speak for all puppeteers, but. It's the whole idea of like a what is introverted extrovert, you know what I mean? Like somebody who, oh, shy egomaniac, yeah, shy egomaniac, you know, because it's a lot of puppeteers will, will, you know, do anything with the puppet in front of the camera, but then once you turn the camera on them, they're like, oh, no, no, thank you, (laughs) just keep it on the puppet, you know, and you can kind of say anything with the puppet.
2: Does that describe you as well?
1: Uh, for, for some, yeah, for I started, I was doing acting first. Um, and I just kind of was, puppet was like a side thing, like a hobby. I never really thought like, oh wait, I could do this as a living. Um, and then, uh, just started, you know, developing my own shows with a puppet and then, uh, got noticed by someone at the Jim Henson company to come in and start training there. And now it's like, oh yeah, this is my thing. <laughs> I took forever to find it, but this is, this is the thing, you know,
2: Are most, are most puppeteers men?
1: Uh, it is getting in the beginning, I think it was, but it's getting much, 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 much better. So you mean, uh, you
2: mean there are even more men. When you say getting better. <laughs>
1: yes, there's so many men. Yeah. It is yeah. Yeah, mean, no. so
2: there's fewer and fewer women,
1: is what you mean. No, no, no. There's uh, Oh oh you, know, oh you meant there are more women. Oh, there's I, more women now, yes. Oh I as thought as you said I
2: thought you said it was getting better.
1: No. It's, uh,
2: okay. And, oh, uh, and you know, I, I actually do a ventriloquism act when I do when I, I occasionally I will find myself doing stand-up and it ends my stand-up ends with my famous ventriloquism
1: act.
0: It is really uncanny. Have you ever seen it, Grant?
1: I I may have heard it, like if you did it on some live show or something. But oh well, uh,
0: if you've heard it, it's it's nowhere near as magical as when you see it. See it, yeah. Because again, again, it's it's just like the uh, puppet. It, the puppet has a life of its own, and you can't. Well, that's
2: true. The puppet does have a life. Of its own. You can't. You can't see Andy's <laughs> lips.
0: True. Andy's lips don't appear to be moving at all. It's really amazing. Well, I'm
2: a little. Oh, Ken, you're being very generous. I'm a little bit out of practice, but I don't know how I could ever do it for Grant, but some, maybe the next, if we're ever invited back, I will, I would, I would be honored to, uh, to share my Share my venttuality quiz act right?
1: i'll book an under the puppet live show and you'll be the headliner you can come in and
2: if you do a puppet live show i would be uh, that would be amazing do you uh, do you do that sometimes do you
1: uh, i i mean there's puppet slams everywhere uh in every city in the world they have puppet slams and it's just you know it's like a poetry slam it's just somebody comes up with a, a under five minute long puppet act and they do it um and you see everything you see every kind of puppet act. Uh, in the thing, but wow. um, yeah, I've I've always wanted to, to book a show like that. That, sound, that sounds
2: great. Well, you know, Ken has a theater in near outside of New York in Jersey City. Yeah, and I would love
0: to do a, a puppet slam.
1: Oh, I can. Yeah, I can get you in touch with people for sure.
2: Okay, no but man, would that be enough to get you on a plane to come out to uh, New
1: York? Absolutely. I was going to try and I was I had already travel booked when you had the Andy Mason Festival, or else I would have come out for it. So. Oh Just my God!
2: To... No, thanks for your thanks for contributing to that too. That's that was yeah. Fantastic.
1: And Grant also
0: did a uh, a director's commentary for the DVD, Andy.
2: Oh my gosh, Grant! That's above and beyond. But Grant, if you would help uh, organize a puppet slam at uh, Monty Hall in Jersey City, uh, we would be we would be. I'm speaking for Ken now without even consulting him. We'd be honored, <laughs> and uh, and and I would do my ventriloquism act, and I would get Ken to do something or other. <laughs> and,
1: Absolutely. But, we can we can do it. We can. There's so many puppet. There's so much puppet stuff in New York. Um, that it's you what know, a you night would, that would be. What a great. night. You would see some amazing was. stuff. You would see some. What amazing a great
2: things. night that would be. And would they need a would they need a specially designed stage or anything or would it?
1: No, most puppet slams are just on a normal stage, normal audience. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, like sometimes. Depending on the act, they might, oh, we need a blacklight or we need a spotlight zoomed in right here. But then if, if somebody needs something really technical you don't have, we just th- say thank you, <laughs> you know, and pick people who can do the act, you know.
0: Well, Grant, we should be in touch about it. I actually would really love to do that. Sure. Let's do it. Uh, but we're out of time for now. Grant, thanks, for, thanks for interviewing us. Well, of no, course. Grant should Grant should be thanking us. It's
2: his podcast, too.
1: Yes. But well, Ken, today, Andy, you... Thank, you, thank you so much for being here on Under the Puppet today. I appreciate it.
2: Oh it was our it was our well, it was my pleasure. I can't speak for Ken.
1: No, my pleasure more than your
0: pleasure. I think I, I, I was pleasured more than you were.
2: <laughs> that's true. I enjoyed it, but Ken enjoyed it more. yeah that was my sense.
0: All right, thanks a lot, Grant.
1: All right, thank you guys. Thanks, Good Andy bye bye uh,
0: that was listener Grant in California interviewing Andy and myself for his podcast under the puppet, which you can download from the, your favorite podcast provider. And uh, the great news is that Grant and I are indeed working on a Puppet Slam, hopefully coming up later this year at Monty Hall. Uh, we have two more listener interviews to air tonight while Andy is out of town. This next one is from listener Celeste in Alabama.
3: I can hear y'all just fine. Am I coming through okay?
0: Yeah, you're coming through loud and clear. And Andy's also on the line with us. Hi, Celeste. Very nice. Yay. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for joining us.
3: Well, it's my pleasure. I, I am a little frightened, but i um, still well, very honored to be.
2: I hope in 20 minutes you still feel that it's your pleasure. I hope you don't. Take- <laughs> um, I
3: think I'll be okay.
2: Where are you? Where are you joining us from today?
3: I am in Alabama. Perfect. I like to call it Bama.
2: Then I'm going to call it Bama also. I'm, my okay. wife my wife is a southern girl. I married a southern girl. She's from Memphis.
3: Oh my. I am so sorry for her.
2: <laughs> yeah, I am. I have to You know what I say to my wife sometimes? I say, "Thank you for marrying me. I'm sorry for marrying you."
3: Aw. Well, you know, she's lovely because I've heard her on y- y'all's show and she knows how to give it right back to you. That's for sure.
2: Well, the woman you hear on the show is an actress that we hired.
3: Uh, oh, her, her name okay. is her name okay.
0: Okay, Gwen Spinley. She's very talented.
2: I
3: She indeed. does a
0: she does a pretty good Beth too.
2: I have to say, She does a great Beth. I mean, we yeah. we auditioned. We auditioned. We cast a pretty wide net.
0: We auditioned uh, hundreds of women. <laughs> why didn't you want?
2: Why well, didn't
3: I have learned?
0: Go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna ask Andy why he didn't want his real wife Beth calling into the show. You know what? Now that you said that, Kent,
2: and that I'm now that might not be a terrible idea. That's not a bad idea. You should at least of- give it a shot. You should at least be able to audition. Yeah. It would save us some money. I
3: think so. Yeah.
2: But uh but you're the real thing, I can tell.
0: Well Celeste, what did uh, what well, did you I'm- Celeste, what did you want to uh talk to us about or ask us today?
3: Well, I'd like to start asking uh, the question I have for Ken. So I happened to catch your state of the station. Is that what you call it? Uh Uh-huh. Okay, I happened to catch that, and I was just blown away with all the moving parts that you have to wrangle to uh, get your radio station uh, producing content. And I was left actually wondering— what it is that you do in the preservation of your content. Uh, I work in a library, and we create and upload online deliverables of archival materials to our digital asset management software, which is a super fancy way of saying we digitize stuff, we scan it, and we put it online. Yeah, so I was just wondering if your radio station is born digital, and if so, what is it that you do to preserve it?
0: Well, we record.
3: Well, we well, to make I sure. Should, it
0: should I should I answer this? Uh,
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: sure. yeah, Andy, why don't you take a shot at answering this? Well, Celeste, first off, excellent
2: question. Thank uh, you. I mean, let me start by saying that a lot of we've done a lot of interviews uh, so far for this uh, for this show, and I would say uh-huh. that. Intelligent uh, uh, question you, uh, that we've uh, that we've had so far.
3: Wow. Uh, I'd agree. I'm I'd you.
2: agree. And uh, I wish we had more time to go into more detail about with it with an answer for you. But but I will acknowledge it's a fantastic <laughs> question.
0: Well, um, seriously, though, Celeste, yeah, we re- we've been recording um, our programs, all of them since two thousand and one, and I think we 're the only radio station in the world that actually has uh, air checks um, available to the public for free going back that far so it 's been you know well over twenty years right. of archives. Uh, but then we also do amass other digital uh, recordings of audio and video of all sorts of different things. And uh, we do archive those and we back up the archives. And we also use tape drives known as LTOs, which I think are really common in the movie and TV industry. As
2: and Ken why, Ken, why? To what end? Why would WFMU even desire to save everything for 20 years? Like who would who are you hoping that in after the apocalypse some some researchers in the far future will want to know what our culture was like i mean what
0: um yeah yeah i'm I'm ready for absolutely. the i'm ready or for aliens, for the
2: aliens, co- might, aliens might land and, and i mean we've
0: already them. we've you know the station's been on the air for you know a very long time already um over sixty years and We've already had people trying to go back into our archives to find certain things, you know, certain things from the 60s, for example. Now, does wow. this
2: process eat up a lot of the station's budget, Ken? Uh,
0: no, I don't think so, especially because, um, like, the things that take up a huge amount of storage space, like videos or multi-track music sessions where a band played and we actually multi-tracked them, um, those get preserved on inert tape drives, um, LTO tape drives. So those in, are...
2: In the future, in the future, archaeologists, Indiana Jones-type guys, digging, that want to dig up uh, artifact from 2023, they would they would come, come to us, cultural artifacts.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, even right now, in 2023, you know, if you wanted to hear what a radio station, you know, how it, you know, what did we actually air on 9-11? You can go back to 9-11, to the WFMU okay, archive. But,
2: does that
0: who does that um
3: global researchers
0: researchers scholars all sorts of all sorts of different people might do that they're stupid (laughs) but but you're probably in favor of every leave it to beaver episode ever aired you know being preserved digitally aren't you
2: well especially the classic i forgot my lunch money episode i mean that one (laughs) everyone would want to go back to that one
0: yeah, you're happy Absolutely. that that all your old SNL and David Letterman episodes are all being preserved at the Library of Congress in some way. Well,
2: that's classic, classic stuff.
0: Right. Um,
3: so I understand that uh, Ken has been to the Library of Congress. I would love to hear about that experience. It was, um,
0: do, you want me to, do you want me to take that one, Ken? Yeah, you go ahead. You weren't there with me, but I'm sure you can imagine what it was like. Well, Ken waits and waits for you
2: know once every year the Library of Congress has a pants optional day, and uh, oh, and Ken waits for that day to uh, to travel down to Washington, and uh, he just uh, he just walks around uh, he just walks around just declaring that hey I'm Ken Friedman he says out loud does anyone have any questions for me
3: uh, well he's a freed man he shouldn't wear pants
2: he's a freed man. Uh, Right. Uh, But I would like to go with you, Ken, on your next visit to the Library of Congress. What brings you down there, Ken?
0: Um, Ironically enough, um, an organization called the Radio Preservation Task Force, which is trying to preserve uh, radio air checks for scholars and academics and historians. Uh, But anyway, the Culpepper, the Culpepper facility at uh, the Library of Congress is inside a mountain. It's actually the former home of uh, the shadow government. Um, It's
2: inside a mountain to survive the nuclear uh, war that's coming?
0: Yeah. So it's it's dug deep inside the Blue Hill Mountains of Virginia. And And
2: you meet with other Ken Friedmans from around the from around the nation, other station managers?
0: Well, that's not where the Ken Friedman Convention is generally held. Um, But I do meet other radio people there at the Library of Congress, and uh, they just have every type of player for any kind of media that has ever existed, Um, every kind of audio player, every kind of television, every kind of film projector. And uh, most of what they have there is not digitized at all. Most of it is just in huge plastic tubs, um, and it's marked right. what it is. So I couldn't believe how much material there was sitting in there, you know, just on cassettes and reel-to-reels and film and all these analog formats. And they can't possibly digitize at all. They dig- they digitize stuff upon request. If you're, are they racing,
2: are right. they racing the clock, Ken? Because aren't all these cassettes, aren't they disintegrating as every year goes by
0: um a lot of stuff is disintegrating but actually cassettes and reel-to-reel tape don't disintegrate as fast as some other things but yeah they are racing the clock on a lot of stuff
2: well that's why i talk so loudly when i'm on the air yeah uh, so so my voice will last longer on tape and it won't disintegrate as quickly
0: yeah and it'll also be louder as it travels through space through the galaxy. Andy Breckman shouting.
2: Is our stuff being all broadcast through the galaxy? I guess everything is, right?
0: Yeah, to a certain extent.
2: Well, why don't we ever do a show directed toward our alien masters?
0: Um, I'm up for that.
3: Yeah. That would be great. Yeah.
2: I would just I would I would <laughs> I would ask for mercy for myself and my family and for you, Ken. How would you what ask?
3: What about me? me?
2: Oh, and, and Celeste for the three of us.
3: Thank and
2: you. Thank you. And our family and i would also i would also offer to be a, a a mole for them to uh to narc for them
0: that's very that's very <laughs> smart you know,
2: because a lot of a lot of dj's for example would work to subvert their rule right but i could work i could work behind the scenes uh,
3: very clever yeah like, yeah. like that's a good plan
0: like when elvis volunteered to be a drug enforcement agent for uh, to nixon
2: exactly you and i can work for the alien yeah. over Overlords, yeah.
0: Are you going to try to communicate with them in English? or?
2: I don't know. I think, what do they speak? Pace French, Latin? probably French. French, probably French. Yeah. It's, romance. Oh, it's the language of love.
0: I'm in I, trouble. I think it's the uh, language of aliens.
2: Celeste, is this something you're interested in? Is extraterrestrial life and UFOs?
3: Uh, actually, I remember as a child being terrified at the, at the prospect, but I kind of got over it.
2: So Celeste, it's now. I don't like think that. about it very much. I'm gonna ask you a couple of questions. So you're in you're in Obama, that's what we call it. And you work for uh-huh. this, you work for this. You're you're affiliated with the university, is that correct?
3: I am, yes, indeed.
2: Excellent. And how long have you held that position?
3: Uh next year will be fifteen years.
2: Okay. So that's... And I've
3: seen some pretty amazing stuff actually in our special collections library. It's it's really a fun job to have.
2: It sounds good. Now what what kind of stuff like has has excited you the most?
3: Uh well. We we currently are focusing on African American lives, and there's been some real heartbreak in that collection. But it also is very heartwarming for me because African Americans are so underserved when it comes to our history that um, it really it really um, inspires my work. Actually,
2: so you're doing you're doing what you can to preserve their story.
3: Correct.
0: Are you dealing with oral? And some of
3: the stories are heartbreaking.
0: Are you dealing with uh, oral, re- you know, uh, audio recordings or written, the written word or what What kind of stuff are you preserving?
3: Well, most of it is like uh, diaries and letters and mm-hmm. uh, broadsides, maps. So most of it's visual. We do have some audio um I haven't really worked with audio very much. I just know that it's uh, really complicated and difficult to work with. And that's what has impressed me so with WFMU's archive is that I know how difficult it is. And so y'all just knock the socks off of me, basically, with with your
2: audio. Maybe you should interview Ken. You know, the Friedman family owned slaves until 1956.
0: Uh, Not so. Ah, oh, okay. when they yeah. freed the rest, well, they... not so at all. It's, no, it's uh quite the opposite. Quite the opposite. What <laughs> well, is the opposite? My, my family fled the Nazis. If you know, if you want to know oh, what well, yeah, really yeah. happened to my family. Oh, i then I was missing. Well, okay,
2: was a, must have been a typo. <laughs> it's a typo in your bio- official biography. Now, Celeste, you are. uh uh now, have you ever met anyone in your in your community, Celeste, anyone else who, li- who listens to WFMU?
3: Well, actually, you know, I have been selling y'all station super hard lately, and I actually have a really funny story. So I have just been engaging with strangers lately because I just have been super silly these days. And I was at the grocery store, and there were two young men in the same aisle as me. And the, the one facing me was wearing what looked like a Wonder Woman pajama top. And the one whose back was to me had a t-shirt that said guaranteed tough on the back. And so when I got close to them, I said to the one who was, had his back turned to me, uh, hey, I'm curious to know what, who guarantees your toughness. And we all just started laughing and having a hile time in in the grocery store aisle because his uh, friend was like, yeah, you know, I didn't know you were tough at all. So I too would like to know what guarantees your toughness. And I just happened to be wearing Ken's uh, ass kicking t-shirt that I recently bought in March. And I'm like, well, look at me. I'm wearing a shirt that's way cooler than me. And before I knew it, all three of us were on our phones with wfmu.org. There you go. I'm like, oh, wow, this is so cool.
2: <laughs> so you're, well, that's, uh, that's, we so
3: you should be getting some new, new listeners. Strangers are the best. I have a sticker on my car.
0: Now, Ken, do you still offer, what's that? Strangers are offer, the best. What are you saying, Andy?
2: i you still offering $400 to for every listener that you get to, uh, to tune into WFM. No,
0: who has a, no, a finder. no, 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 we, we don't, I'm we doing never, for
3: free we I never, love y'all.
0: we never had that finders fee, Andy. Well, you know, Celeste, there is a,
2: there is a risk of talking to strangers and asking them about the t-shirt they're wearing. It, it might not always go as well as, as that encounter. You got to be careful.
3: I, you know, actually I find that if I approach people with a big smile on my face, it turns out just fine,
2: and the the graveyards full of people that that thought that you got to be very careful.
3: Um, well, you know that that brings up what I was going to interview you about actually, because I only just learned about your ish happens game that is on sale at Target and Walmart and other places. But I only just recently learned that you've disbanded Andy's Uncle Andy's Toys.
2: Well, I get, and
3: you. I just go ahead.
2: Well, I didn't officially I didn't officially uh uh close the company, but it it was a, a, a passion project that's a little sideline for four or five years, but it ran out of it ran out of steam.
3: Oh.
0: But he did
2: he well, did pretty darn I was well. I'm
3: super impressed with the website that, um, that, was, um, uh, that I found.
2: A lot. Well that means a lot to me, Celeste. Um no, I had a great four or five years and uh I uh I have I had eight or nine toys that we licensed in that time and Uh seven of them failed horribly uh but one of them was a a medium success and one of them was a pretty substantial success so that's not a terrible which
3: one was uh, the the best seller
2: well that that game you referenced the uh, stuff happens game.
3: uh, oh okay Okay. uh,
0: yeah and then and then that and then that game got licensed uh to a tv show
2: it became, a, it became a, a, a game show on TBS for a few seasons. So it had a nice, healthy run as far as those things go. And it was, uh, it was a success enough to make me sort of a superstar, a rock star around WFMU. They oh, yeah. They don't see successful people.
0: Absolutely. Oh, my God. There were a couple of years there where everybody <laughs> wanted to be a toy maker. Yeah. That, well, that might be. It was incredible.
2: That might be true. But um, people were whittling <laughs> little
0: Pinocchio dolls.
2: Yeah, people were. Oh, that's right. A lot of staff were sitting around whittling Pinocchio dolls.
0: They wanted yeah. to be like you, Andy. Yeah, does. Your,
2: your marathon pledge money at work.
0: <laughs> well, Celeste, we are running out of time. Do you have any final questions?
3: Uh, I don't actually. But I, I do have to say I love the show and uh, I am going to be enjoying those archives for a very long time.
0: Oh, thanks so much, Celeste. It's been really nice talking to you today.
2: Yeah, very nice meeting you. It's
3: been Thank you. lovely. Thank you for
2: listening. It means it means the world to us, doesn't it, Ken? It does. And we're being sincere. Well, I'm.
0: I am. I am being sincere.
2: At least one of us is being totally sincere.
0: Why don't you try being sincere That's right awesome. right now, Andy? Just try you being. Know, I
2: break out to honestly. I was sincere. I tried it uh, last year for, for a while. Yeah. And I I break out in hives. Oh. I'm, I'm kind of allergic. Jeez, I have an allergic reaction. It's
0: it's hard to believe.
3: Well, you please tell Beth that I am blessing her heart, and she's gonna laugh.
2: <laughs> she will. She will. You are definitely a kindred spirit uh, to my wife. But she will. <laughs> she will, laugh. I feel like I'm talking to uh, uh, one of her cousins. Uh, so, uh, well,
3: I could be, I guess.
2: Yeah, I probably could be. Very sweet to meet you. Very nice. Thank you for listening.
0: All right. Thanks a lot, Celeste. <laughs> Have a good one. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. And that was uh, Celeste from Alabama interviewing Andy and myself as our series of listener interviews continues while Andy is out of town. We have one more to air, one more for you tonight. And uh, this is well-known listener Nadia. And this is part one of two. We're going to hear the first uh, 15 minutes or so now. Uh, and then the rest of it next week. Hi, Nadia. Hi. So Andy has to uh, run off for a meeting, so we should just jump right in. So, Nadia, why don't you tell us what you wanted to interview us for? Um, I know I think a lot of listeners already know you from hearing you so much on the radio. Uh, hi, so-
2: hi, hi, Nadia.
4: Hi.
2: Oh, uh, it's so nice to see you on Zoom. Did you have a good day at school?
4: Um. Well, I didn't go to school, but yes, I guess um, if I didn't go to school, that's a nice day at school,
2: yeah. (laughs) Wait, how come you got to uh, skip school today? I
4: don't
2: know. Oh, what a lucky, what a lucky kid.
4: Wow,
0: the best kind of day off from school, the mystery day.
4: Yes.
2: And then Nadia, is that your bedroom that we're looking at?
4: No, this
2: is the office. Oh, very cool. This, that's where your parents. That's where your dad or mom sometimes work.
4: Yeah, and then I got my computer. Oh uh, well, I, I think I know. I, I wasn't at school now because I was kind of sick. But now I think I'm fine.
2: Oh good. Oh, you're oh, feeling good. better. Yes. Now, Nadia, look look me right in the camera and say I was really feeling sick. Say it. Let me see you say.
4: It. I was really feeling sick.
0: <laughs> that's that sounded Nadia, very. That sounded Nadia. believable to me.
4: She had a big <laughs>
2: grin on her face. I don't know. If I was in the jury, I don't know what I would think, Nadia. Okay.
4: Good
0: thing you're okay. not in the jury, okay, Andy.
2: Now, wait. Now she's going to try it again. Go ahead. Try it That's again. Cool. <laughs> okay. Um. Oh, I
4: want to start now, but I just wanted to ask before is there any question I can't ask? Like, uh,
0: no, nothing, I don't think so. You,
2: you can't you can ask us anything. Okay. Can I um, ask you can I ask you anything?
4: I mean, at the end, yes. At
2: okay. The end. Okay.
4: Okay, so okay, first question, would you rather be interviewed by me, by Dingo or by a Dingo?
0: Uh by you. No no question about it. <laughs> Are you saying Dingo
2: like the animal, like the little wolf?
0: Yeah, animal? the wild yeah,
2: the
4: wolf. Or dingo, like the wild
0: dogs. Yeah, wild dogs. Oh, the
2: wild dogs that are that are found in Australia. Yeah, that
0: eat Meryl Streep's yeah. babies.
2: That eat that 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 hate. They hate Meryl Streep. I know that yeah. much about Dingo.
0: They love her babies. So
2: they 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 love her babies. They're not fans of her movies. Um, so you're saying, would I rather be interviewed by you or a dingo?
4: Or dingo.
2: Or Dingo, is that a character from a movie? It's,
4: it's from uh, Mickey Mouse's Club
2: Oh, there's a character. Okay, so those are my three choices.
4: You like a dog.
2: So the three choices are you, a wild dog from Australia, or a yeah. character from Mickey Mouse.
4: Yes.
0: <laughs> the answer's clear, Andy. What do you even have to think about? Nadia. Nadia's the runaway favorite.
2: I'm going to say, Nadia, you are my first choice, but unlike Ken, I would not call you the runaway favorite. <laughs> I think it's a very close call.
4: Okay, so just before before we start, I wanted to say that there's forty three there's forty three questions and a game.
0: Okay, we so, better get going then. Let's let's hit let's go to question number two.
4: Okay, so um, where did you guys meet? Like, well, or like.
0: We've, well,
2: I well, we've well, told this know, we've,
0: we've actually told this story many times uh, to our uh, other interviewers, but because you're one of our regular callers and we like you so much, we're going to tell you the real story of how yes, we of Ken, how we met. I
2: was looking, I was looking to adopt a dingo, <laughs> and i i went to I went to Australia, and Ken had a, a dingo ranch there at that time. This is before he got interested in radio.
0: I didn't and, own it. I didn't own it, but I was working. Right, there. he was
2: he was managing the ranch, and Ken uh, sold me the most wonderful, wonderful dingo, and uh, we became friends ever since. Mm,
4: no, no, because wait, when did you meet? Like, when did you meet?
2: What year was it?
4: Yeah, because but if it if, because you're in Australia, uh, it's a day after, so.
2: You're right. That's right. It was a different time zone. You're right. I I left. I left to go pick up my dingo on a Wednesday.
4: Why did you want a dingo?
2: May second. Why did I want a dingo? Because I had.
4: They eat humans or something. Well, I heard.
2: I I,
0: only Meryl
4: Streep. Did you even know what a dingo was? Did you like not know what a dingo was?
2: Well, I lived, at the time, I lived three and a half blocks from Meryl Streep, and I was having like a little feud with her and her family. And I wanted to uh, teach her a lesson that she'll never forget.
0: Yeah. Andy felt, okay. that, Andy, Andy felt that Meryl Streep and, and her family and her, her domestic help, they made, okay. they made too much noise putting the garbage out at night. <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah. So um, I, thought a, I thought a dingo would shut them up. Well, that's
0: a a good choice, actually. Dingoes are like little thugs. You know, they... uh... Well, her
2: family, from what I understood, and I should have read the whole article, but for what I understand, Meryl Streep has a history with dingoes. For real, for real, though. For real, though. Where did you guys, like... Well, we met. Ken was at college, and he was was doing a radio show, and I came to that college in Michigan to perform. I used to do a funny, funny uh, uh, act. And I went to Ken's radio show so I could talk about my sh- my act.
0: Okay, to
4: get that's interesting. To come. Yeah. Very yes. interesting.
0: All right, question number three.
4: Um, do you guys hang out outside of WFMU, like go get a drink or something?
2: <laughs> yeah, a bit. Well, Ken doesn't know this, but when he's fast asleep at four or five in the morning, I'm often in in his house. Uh, I'm downstairs. Okay. I, I'm cre- I, I'm creepy crawling around. I didn't. So we spent we spend more time together than Ken is aware of. Okay,
4: that's weird. Yeah, that Just,
0: is weird. I didn't. I was weird. not aware of that.
2: I never thought I'd be asked that question.
0: Well, I'm glad you're owning up to it now. Yeah.
4: Okay. Um. Uh. Andy, this is yeah. a question for you. Do you regret getting the tattoo of Ken on your shoulder?
2: I. It's a good question. I don't see the tattoo. It's on my back. My wife, Beth, sees it more than I do. So maybe that's a good question for her. It, do- it, doesn't- it hurt when, I, of course, I was getting it, but it stopped hurting pretty quickly. So I've, I forgot about it. Uh, but maybe maybe Beth regrets it. I've only had one person ask me about it. It was my doctor because I went for a physical and he could not understand.
4: You're like, me. who is that? <laughs> it
2: was my doctor, Dr. Aaron Walt and he couldn't understand why i did it or what possessed me to do it it was it, it baffled him i think i think i told him the story and then he made a note in his file about me oh.
4: he thinks you're crazy now
2: but i should tell you ken has tattoos with about wfmu that are much bigger than mine
0: yes okay okay, okay. nadia next question
4: um What is your favorite seven second delay episode besides this one? Of course.
0: Uh, I think my favorite one was when we channeled the radio dial and then we stumbled across our own show on the radio dial and it was on loop. It's a little hard to explain, but we sort of fell into this continuous loop loop. Because we were trying to imitate what we were hearing on the radio, and then unexpectedly we started hearing ourselves on the radio, but we were hearing ourselves uh, 15 or 20 seconds late.
4: That's very interesting. Yeah.
2: I don't think, I, well, I would, I would say a couple of things. Number one, I disagree with you, Nadia. That it was not interesting in the least. <laughs> um, and uh, I don't recall that show. I don't recall many of our shows, but I know that many of our my favorite shows recently have been shows that you called in with on.
0: That's very That's nice. of Very nice of you to say that, Andy.
2: Wasn't it? Yeah. Wasn't it nice of me?
0: Yeah.
4: Um, okay, so it's uh, kind of the same topic. What is your worst um, seven-second delay episode or your least favorite one, besides this one? Uh. Of
2: course. Well, for me, my least favorite one that we ever did would probably be the one Ken described two minutes ago about looping (laughs) our voices on the radio. That sounds horrific.
0: I think uh, my least favorite one was one that we did back in the 1990s when we had a whole bunch of Cub Scouts uh, on the air. I think we had about 10, 10 Cub Scouts and it was just pandemonium and chaos, and and yeah,
4: that sounds like
0: chaos. Yeah, it well,
2: was, that might have been. I bet one of them was my son. It might have been my son's Cub Scout uh, troop.
4: I
0: don't think so. I don't think. Oh, really? It was. We just found
2: we just found a troop, and oh, okay. Yeah, I think it might
0: that have must
4: been. That was an absolute
2: chaos, though. Yeah, it was but, chaos, and I know that's actually because Ken is a radio a veteran. You know he's been on the radio a long time, and he's kind of the boss of the station. The one thing he hates, Nadia, is chaos. He hates a lot of voices going all at once.
0: Oh, it's true.
2: Um, uh, And he always says that to me. He doesn't like chaos. And you know what that makes me want to do, Nadia?
4: What?
2: Make a lot of chaos in the studio.
4: (laughs) Isn't that like what happens, like when you reach the goal on the marathon? Is Ken like screaming on the floor? That's
2: what's happening. I think that is a chaotic moment. Yeah. that might be a, that might be a moment, a chaotic moment that Ken is uh, that Ken makes an exception for. That's one that he likes. Okay,
4: yeah,
0: that's that's true. That's okay. a good that's a good one.
4: Okay, okay,
0: you're doing great. Okay. Nadia, what's next on your list?
4: Um, did you guys listen to the radio as a kid? Uh, and if you did, what were like your favorite radio shows?
0: Uh, my favorite radio show was Gene Shepherd, who was a storyteller. And he, he did a show five nights a week on WOR, which was an AM station in New York City. And Andy, what what was your favorite show or station? Well, my
2: my early memories were I did listen to pop music. I don't know what station it was, uh, but when I was a teenager, I I changed over to FM. That's the that's what uh, WFMU is on, and that's that's the band that uh, the bandwidth that the cool stations were on. And I started listening to WMMR out of Philadelphia. And that influenced me a lot. Uh, Nadia, Nadia, when I was your age, I was not as cool as you. I was not listening to cool radio stations like you do.
4: Like WFMU?
2: Yeah, like WFMU.
0: Apparently, when Andy was your age, though, he was mailing records to the president of the United States.
2: That's true. I told that story on another interview. (laughs) Oh, because it was a protest record. And I thought I could single-handedly end the war in Vietnam. How old were you? I must have been 13. I'm embarrassed to say 12 or 13. I had to end that war, Nadia, before I was 18 and could be drafted. I only had five years. I was under the gun.
0: Yeah. That's a, a
4: good idea. He's
0: totally acting out of self-interest. So, yeah. So, so Nadia, what, what's next on your list of questions?
4: Okay.
2: Nadia, do you really have 46 questions?
4: 43 questions. Are for they me. all
2: numbered? Are they all numbered on that page? No. Can I, I ask you, count. I'd like to hear question number 34 next.
4: Okay,
0: fine. Hold on. Let me just count one. Yeah, I'd like to hear <laughs> And we will hear question number 34 from listener Nadia as we hear part two of her interview with Andy Breckman and myself, station manager Ken. Next week, as this series of Seven Second LA Listener Interviews continues. Uh, we'll be airing six weeks in total of these. Uh, and then Andy comes back from Toronto, France. This is WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope in New York City and Rockland County at 91.9 FM and online at wfmu.org. Uh, oh, also in a coming in a coming interview, Andy will reveal which record he actually mailed to which president uh, in his unsuccessful attempt to end the vietnam war stay tuned for weekly world blues with matt ash coming right up
1: Sound of the blue scale. The blue scale is very simple, very useful, but also very simple to build. All you have to do is know your minor pentatonic scales. So in this case I was playing A. <laughs> <laughs>
5: come so many different ways until it's kind of hard to explain. A group of young black students in Harlem just a few days ago asked me what at this point in my life was I looking for. And I said, uh, what I've always been looking for. Where resides the rebel heart? Without the rebellious heart, without people who understand that uh, there's no sacrifice we can make that is too great to retrieve that which we've lost, we will forever be distracted with possessions and trinkets and title. And I think one of the big things that happened was that when Black people began to be anointed by the trinkets of this capitalist society and uh, began to become big-time players and began to become heads of corporations. They became players in the game of our own demise. I think people have to be more adventurous. The heart has to find greater space for rebellion. One of these days And it won't be long You're gonna call my name And I'll be gone Fare thee well, oh honey You don't know my mind When you see me laughing, baby, it's to keep from crying Fare thee well, oh honey, honey I tried I've done my best but I guess I'm just a rumbler like all the rest Fare thee well Fare thee well Oh honey